started a, a teaching series on rediscovering the heart of man and kind of defining, not kind of, absolutely defining godly masculinity. And that's uh, started this last Thursday night. How many of you guys were here for that? It's really fun, wasn't it? I mean, what other church service do you go to where a picture of Austin Powers with this chest hair, you know, comes up on the screen? Have you ever been to a church where Austin Powers comes up on the screen? <laughs> Completely irresistible. <laughs> uh, so we're going to continue that for the next three weeks. So come on Thursday nights. And that's all leading up to a, a kickoff of our men's ministry. And we're going to have a big party November 6th, which is a Friday night at John Eckert's house. John, could you stand up? And it's, it's 5101, right? 5101 Sawgrass, and it's in Garland. Uh, so seriously, I don't care if, if right now you pull out your smartphone calendars and put November 6th, Friday night, it's the men's ministry kickoff. Men, if... You know if your wife is the one that needs to put it in your calendar, have her put it in your calendar. That's kind of how it works in my house. Ashley uh, is the much more administrative one. 7 p.m. Friday night, November 6th, and, uh, and we're going to have a lot of fun. Um, a couple weeks ago, I put a challenge out there, and it was the old Malachi 3 challenge to test God in your giving and see if he doesn't open up the, the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing that your barns can't contain it. And I actually had people stand up who needed a job or needed a promotion or people stand up who uh, continually have more month than they do money <laughs> at the end of the month. And, um, and one person who stood up was a guy named Shane Cameron. And Shane, why don't you come on up here while I explain what's going on? Now, he's awesome. You can clap all day long for this guy. He's, he's a man to be honored. Um, okay, so I, I had him stand up because he needed a job. In fact, that very evening, before even coming into service, he sat with Anne-Marie and told her, or asked her, do you know anyone who's, who's hiring anywhere where I can get a job because I really need one? And so he stood up, and let me real quick tell it from my side, and then you can tell it from your point of view. He stood up, we prayed over one. I had everyone look around the room and take note of everyone who's standing. And then people came up and gave their tithes and offerings in faith. And I, and I said, we are going to see immediate testimonies, immediate testimonies from this. And so the next day, someone called me and said, hey, I've got a really great job interview like right now. For, do you know anyone who needs a job? She described the job and I instantly thought, it's perfect for Shane. Like, when she finally told me, like, what the job description was, it lined up. So, Shane, why don't you tell us the story from your side? Awesome. Hi, guys. How's it going? So, yeah, I was real desperate for a job. In fact, like, two months ago, I was homelessly on my van, and the Lord has just totally blessed me. Pretty awesome. But, yeah, so I was like, Lord, I need one real bad. So, that morning, uh, Jeremy called me, and I assumed I was in trouble because I'm in EJS. So, <laughs> I didn't answer. And then he was... <laughs> So it's your fault for having me up here. He's going to learn. Um, so he sends me a text. I was actually, I was in the studio. It's no big deal for my upcoming albums. You know, no biggie. So anyway, he text, uh, Sunrise Pilots, my band, you know, no big deal. But uh, so he sent me a text, like, call me right now. And I was like, oh, no, what did I do? So he's like, hey, 
are you busy? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, for a job? Not at all. What do you need? So she, he gave me this, this person's number. And then we got in contact. She's like, hey, here's the job. Um, what are you doing right now? Can you come to an interview? Because the person didn't show up. And we're all just kind of sitting. So come now. And the CEO had flown in. Yeah, the CFO was there. Uh, the, the president of the company's like, nephew runs the branch. Was, like, everybody was there waiting. Uh, the job is in Plano, and I'm living in North Fort Worth, but I just happen to be at my drummer's house in Plano about 10 minutes away. So I was like, hey, Jabroni, I got to leave. I need a nice shirt so I don't look like, <laughs> you know, complete garbage when I walk in. So I like, like you know, did some mouthwash and like tucked a shirt and hastily and drove there, printed out a resume. And I was like, hey, guys, so uh, what's the job I'm interviewing for? <laughs> So I slapped down my resume, and it was the easiest resume, the easiest interview I've ever done in my life. They were telling me how I would fit the job based on my. It was a pretty good resume I spent some time on, but they were like, "Oh no, if, because you have this experience, this will work out." And I was like, "All right, tight." And get this, I'm making double what I made at my last job. Oh. So yeah, no big deal. Was, so yeah. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Shane. You're awesome. Thanks, man. Thanks for coming on up. <laughs> it's, it's so awesome. It was, um, man, the job was like so lucrative. I was like, I mean, should I, should I quit ministry? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I jest. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, I remember talking to Shane. I was like, Shane, uh, describe to me what kind of clothes you have on right now. <laughs> like, I mean, because you can come to my house, like, what size shoe do you have? Like, you can wear my dress shoes, like, tuck in your shirt, button it up, do some shaving. He's like, I got this, man. I'm like, all right, all right. Um, so it was one of those moments where God said, test me in this. And... Um, isn't it awesome to have immediate testimonies like that? Several other people uh, came up to me within the week and told me about financial breakthrough that had happened just out of the blue. Is there anyone else in here by a show of hands had something great financially happen after that Thursday? One? All right. There's another. Awesome. couple of, yes, Alan, Sylvie. So cool. Um... I wanted to talk to you about, um, well, first of all, I had a dream last night, and it always, uh, always makes preaching a lot easier when God tells you what to preach about from a dream. And so um, in the dream, Jeff Simons, who is our outreach pastor, uh, and I, we were treasure hunting. And in, in the dream, we were treasure hunting, and we were walking around this big open area, and we had like a crew with us, and we could tell by looking at the ground what would be underneath if we started digging. We had the special ability just to be able to look at the earth and be able to know like what was beneath it based on um, nuances in the soil and the color of the dirt and whatnot. And so we saw this one spot and I, and I thought that looks, that looks promising. So I, I did one shovel load and, and removed uh, the dirt and instantly saw some gold shining. It was a, it was a chunk of gold about the size of an avocado. 
And so we like got down on our hands and knees and started digging and cleared out a bunch of the dirt. And we found several other chunks of gold, several chunks, nuggets of silver. And we were like so excited. And so we're clearing out a little bit bigger area and we find a Ziploc bag and we pull it out. And inside the Ziploc bag is there are official documents um, outlining the inheritance that this deceased man was passing down to his family. But this crazy old dude buried his inheritance. And I I guess he was going to send his family on a treasure hunt to dig it up from the earth. And so, (laughs) and so um, we're like, this is a lot of money. This is awesome. And then Jeff Simons, he was the first one to say, guys, this isn't ours. And we're like, Oh, yeah, you're right, man. <laughs> and so um, um, that's, that's about what time uh, I woke up. Oh, I forgot. There's one other detail. We were pulling out chunks of cooked chicken. So all of you dream interpreters, you get on that. And uh, let me know via email what you got. It's jeremy at storehousedallas.com. Gold, silver, and cooked chicken. That was the inheritance passed down from this crazy old coot. Um, So uh, after I woke up from the dream, I was certain that God wanted to talk to me, or talk today about not burying our talents. And also, um, I want to help us find our inheritance in the Lord today. Um, and of course, I'm talking about that parable in Matthew 25. It starts in verse 14. Let me read it for you. Hang with me. It's a, it's a little bit of a long section. It says, this is Jesus talking about the kingdom of heaven. For it is like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another he gave two talents, and to another he gave one, each according to his own ability. And then he went on his journey. Immediately, the one who had received five talents, immediately, the one who had received five talents, went and traded with them and gained five more. In the same manner, the one who had received two talents gained two more. He who had received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, uh, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with him. The one who had received five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me, and see, I've gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Also, the one who had received two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted to me two talents. See, I've gained two more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one who had received one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid. I went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. His master answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant. You know that I reap where I don't sow and gather 
if you, he said, you knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed, and then, then you should ought to have put the money in the bank, and on my arrival, I would have received back my money with interest. Therefore, he says to people, therefore, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have will be taken away. Okay, y'all still with me? So that first guy got five talents. So I did a little research into what a talent is, and it's 6,000 drachmas. And a drachma is a day's wages. So 6,000 drachmas is like 25 years if you take out holidays and weekends. So really, a talent symbolizes someone's life's work. It symbolizes a life. It symbolizes what you can accomplish in one lifetime. So that guy who is given five talents... Um, in, in today's wages, it, one talent is like 1.5 million. So he was given 7.5 million dollars. That p- kind of puts it in perspective now. It's not like the master was handing out $20 bills. No, he's, handing, he's giving them a life, like a life's work. So the one who had two talents had about $3 million, and the one who had one talent is about $1.5 million. Why did that dude bury it? Why do so many people around us in our lives bury these things that God has given them? Isn't it, uh, isn't it awesome, just the, the pun the play on words that came out of this parable. I mean, this parable was written before the English language even came into existence. They had no idea it was going to end up being the word talent. God has given you so many talents, so many skills, so many natural and supernatural abilities. God has given you, and uh, this one is going to blow your mind too. Remember the dream I had? We were miners, we were excavators. Well, another word for talent is minas. Minas. M-I-N-A-S. We were minas. <laughs> Don't you love the prophetic? I think that's pretty cool. Why did that guy bury his ability to like invest an entire life's work? I think we, we need to go back to the first thing he said. He said to the master, I knew you. I knew you. I knew you to be a harsh. Some translations say hard. Another translation says difficult. I knew you to be a harsh, hard, difficult man. I want to ask you, Honest question, do you think that our Father in heaven is a harsh, hard, difficult man? He's a good, good Father. Because a harsh, hard, difficult man doesn't really line up with the prodigal son father, right? 
the, the prodigal son's father, in fact, it's, it should be the prodigal father because prodigal means like abundantly generous. And so the, the father in that story actually knew that that kid had all sorts of rebellion and idiocy in his heart and still gave him his inheritance. And then when the son squandered it all, came back, that father jumped off the porch, went running to him. Do the, does the, the, the story of the, the father in this parable line up with the story of the father and the prodigal son story? Harsh, hard, difficult? I actually know my father to be abounding in mercy, to be so kind, to be a, a, a God that um, finds us when we have squandered and restores us and puts a robe on our backs, a ring on our fingers, and a kiss on our face. He restores us. And so maybe it's possible that this guy was afraid he had an ungodly fear of his father, of the master, I should say, perceived him to be a harsh, hard man, and that's why he hid all that money. Do you think that maybe a lot of us are actually bound by a fear of making a mistake because we have a perception of our father as a harsh, hard man? That was me. That, I mean, it's stuff that I still struggle with my heart, my, my perception of God the Father and, and his kindness and, and mercy towards me. And, and I've been given you know, abilities and, and totally squandered them. And, and even, I mean, I, have you got, any of you guys heard my five song album, the EP? Um, anybody been ministered to you by the Lord through any of the songs? I'm not fishing for compliments, I promise. <laughs> it does make me feel good though. <laughs> you guys have heard some of those songs and been ministered to by the Holy Spirit. Did you know that I've written well over a thousand songs before that EP ever came out. I, I mean, I've been writing music since I was 14. It took me 17 years to get free enough in my heart to believe that God would actually want me to succeed in a passion of my heart. to get free enough to, to not bury my talent and actually put it out there and see what would come of it. How many, how many of us have had passions of our heart that we have relegated into selfish desires because we think that God wants us to do something more holy? That's right, Dan Brooke. He is a sculptor. How many people do you know that are successful sculptors? Dan Brooks. He's so successful that he sought out to do the sculptures in front of big stadiums and schools and libraries and stuff like that. Right, Dan? And you do these huge amazing sculptures and when you look at the 
the men that he's like he's modeled out of out of clay and it's been hewn out of stone there's like life coming out of their eyes he's so good at it what would have happened if he just said you know sculpting's just a hobby i got to do something a little bit more holy with my life he would have actually missed his place of encounter and the path of favor. Um, you know, worship was so amazing that uh, we didn't want to stop. So let me just end with a couple points. <laughs> um, you know, when, when I finally decided that I wanted to make the, the, the album, it's not cheap. It's like, it was going to be f between fifteen dollars and $18,000 to make that. Just so, so any of you, like, um, young aspiring musicians know, this is, what, this is what you get to ask the Lord to provide for. It's going to be about that much to do a professional level album. That was just five songs. Um, and so I was like... You know, all, all those insecurities rose up in me when I, when I started thinking about raising that much money. All the insecurities came. Like, you don't have what it takes. It's just going to be white noise. There's so many worship albums out there already. It's not going to do yada, 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 yada. And, but I called up a, a, a mentor of mine, and I said, hey, what do you think I should do? I've got, you know, several songs that I really feel are powerful. And do you think that I, you know, I actually asked him, do you think I have what it takes? And he's like a father to me in the Lord. And he said, don't delay. A door of favor and opportunity has opened for you. And so I immediately went home. I started one of those online donation deals. You know, I think it was GoFundMe. Uh, just to get the word out, I started telling people, I was like, I, I, I sent it out to all the different churches I've led worship at, all the different churches where I've preached at, um, like old home groups and youth groups, every place that knew me. And I said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to record an album. So, it, you know, listen to the Lord. And, and if you feel like donating, man, I, I'd, I'd so appreciate it. And, um, and then I, I got with Encounter Jesus School. I was teaching the class that day. And I said, I was talking about... Um, Isaiah 60, where it says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Deep darkness may cover the earth, but his glory will be seen upon you. Kings will be drawn to the brightness of your rising. And I, and I told them about favor, and I said, Favor is when you get into that realm of society where everyone notices that you operate at a higher level, that you are gifted, that you are able to do it with uh, expelling less energy, and you just shine in that moment. That's favor, and people recognize it. It is the anointing of the Lord on you. But we don't shine that well when we think, when like we're stuck in a job that we hate because we felt like the Holy Spirit told us to do it, but really it was the religious spirit masquerading as the Holy Spirit to put us in a prison for a while. We don't shine in those places. In fact, we're burdened and weary and 
it's marked by great psychological weight. I looked it up in the dictionary. <laughs> it's, it's a terrible place to be. And so I was telling my students, when you begin to rise and shine, not reflect. You rise and shine because the light has taken residence inside you. The Holy Spirit, the living word, the light of the world made his address Matthew Esquivel Road, Peter Schneider Lane. The Holy Ghost made his address U Alley Road Boulevard, depending on how big you are. <laughs> Four Lane Freeway. <laughs> you right when you rise and shine. Kings will be drawn to the brightness of your rising. In other words, a man's gift will bring him before kings, set him before leaders of the world. Side note, your gift will get you there, your character will keep you there. But anyway, your, a man's gift will bring him before kings. Kings will be drawn to the brightness of your rising. I left that class. Two hours later, a dude walked up to me with a, with a box and it had a golden king's crown emblem on it. And his hands were kind of shaking. And he handed it to me and said, the Lord told me to give this to you, but I've been sitting on it for a few days. And finally he said, today's the day. Go give it to Jeremy. And I was like, thanks, man. It's a really nice looking box. And he said, there's a Rolex in there I bought last year for And he said, the Lord told me that you're supposed to sell this to help fund your album. This is like a day or two after I immediately went and started telling people that I was raising money for an album. It had a king's crown on it, guys. <laughs> I called up a buddy of mine who's connected with like a, a Christian jeweler, um, and he, uh, he set up a, a meeting for me to meet with this Christian jeweler so I could sell the Rolex because I didn't know how to sell it and actually get what it was worth. You know, Craigslist? Mm -mm. Um, <laughs> that's how you get your house broken into. <laughs> and so I go, I go meet with this guy and... Uh, I'm hanging out with him. He's a Christian jeweler. He's actually extremely successful. I mean, he sells jewelry to like Oprah. Oprah flies in to meet with him to like get her, anyway. Um, and he's actually had plenty of time to talk to her about Jesus. Um, again, that, I mean, that's, that's a, he, he actually had a completely different career path when something kind of opened up to him in the, like the realm of diamonds. Like he, he made a connection and it was kind of later in life that he became a jeweler. He pursued a passion of his heart, and suddenly a road of favor was paved before him. And so now he's meeting with, like, literally, like, dignitaries, celebrities, like, big... Anyway, so I'm, I'm now sitting in his office, and I'm looking at the walls. And it, th this office is just all glass cases, and I'm just, like, kind of looking at... With, you know, just wide-eyed. My eyes were like saucers looking at these um, necklaces and, and jewelry. He, sh he showed me a necklace that was $400,000. He took me into his office, unlocked this safe, <laughs> and 
pulled out a diamond that was going to go to auction for over $10 million, one stone. And so I'm like, how in the world am I sitting here right now? This is crazy. And I tell him the story about the kings being drawn to the brightness of your rising and that I'm selling this Rolex watch as a result of that so that I can raise money for an album. And he smiled really big, pulled out his business card and threw it down. And there was a king's crown on his business card. You guys have time for one more story? Um, uh, a pastor friend of mine who was affiliated with uh, Morningstar uh, University where I went to school like a decade ago, he uh, is an incredible discipler and mentor type. He's one of my mentors. And he was meeting with uh, a girl that he was discipling out of, you know, in a group meeting and looked at her and said, what do you want to do with your life? And she gave like three super Christian-y answers. And, um, you know, they were good answers. I mean, if, if he wasn't so prophetic, he would have said, that's awesome, and walked away. But he was really prophetic, and he's like, no, you don't. You don't want to, like, be a missionary and save souls. You don't. <laughs> that's not you. What, I mean, what do you want to do with your life? And she said, I... I've been dreaming about being a, a flautist in the Charlotte, North Carolina performing like orchestra. It's hard to get in. I mean, it's a, it's the citywide orchestra. And she said, I really want to write music for blockbuster movies. Yeah. <laughs> Does that sound holy at all? <laughs> You've been trained well, sister. Um, and so her pastor said I want you here's what you're going to do you're going to come to as minimal as of church service as possible over the next three months Um, and and, and I excuse you from these meetings and what you're going to do she'd actually put down her her flute for for a while he said what you're going to do is pick up your flute again and practice practice and practice and practice and um because they, they found out that the next audition for the, the orchestra was in like two or three months, something short like that. And so, and she's like, really? And she got excited. Like, that's what you want me to do? It's like, as your pastor and the director of the school and your mentor in Christ, <laughs> I adjure thee, go play your flute. And so she went and practiced her flute. She went to the audition. She got on. She got in the the city orchestra, which is the place where she made a connection to Jerry Bruckheimer. She has been working on music for movies. In the process, all the things that, all the Christian-y answers that she gave are being fulfilled in the process. She saved so many people by being the happiest girl in the world while she plays her flute. People are coming up to her and asking her, why are you shining like that? Why are you so happy? I recently got delivered of religion and started playing the flute. Um, I had a lot more that I wanted to say, but uh, I'll save it for another day because uh, part of my favorite thing about walking with Jesus is enjoying lunch with him. 
<laughs> he didn't have to make food taste so good, did he? But he did. <laughs> it's totally his fault. Let's stand up and ask the Lord to uh, deliver us of all the places where we have placed ourselves in occupations and obligations that are actually burdensome assignments from the enemy. And let's listen to the Holy Spirit for ways to actually get into the place of our favor. See, Jesus came to give us life abundantly, John 10, 10. Right, Don? I just heard that yesterday. The enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have ministry more abundantly. Is that how it reads? No, I've come that you may have life more abundantly. All right, Jesus asked that you would do this. Ask that you would do this, Lord. Holy Spirit, that you would do that thing that only you can do, and you would deliver us again. And Father, I, uh, I really want all my friends in here to be completely wowed by the doors that you open for them, by the promotions that you provide for them, by the jobs that you drop in their lap. I really want my, all my brothers and sisters in here to be completely flabbergasted, <laughs> befuddled, completely undone by the glorious ways that you make their souls prosper and every other part of their lives follow the prospering soul. And Father, for uh, those of us who feel as if we are in imprisoned, uh, if we're uh, imprisoned to debtors, or if we are imprisoned uh, in, a, in a job that is completely burdensome, ask for an opening of the prison doors. In fact, Lord, I ask for an earthquake. You got us in that prison, uh, and there's an earthquake inside of us. We ask that you'd send the earthquake, shake open all the prison doors, that the jailer would come and hand us the keys and say, what must I do to be saved? And Father, that you would, you would launch us out of there into the exciting, adventurous life that you have before us. In Jesus' name, amen. I forgot one thing that I wanted to say real quick. I know you've been standing forever. Um, one time the Lord asked me this question and it changed me forever. And he said, he asked me this, when are you going to start enjoying the life I bought you? He didn't buy you a burden. A father doesn't buy a gift for a kid and say, I hope you make good use of that. No, a father buys a gift for his kid because he loves to actually see him enjoy it. A look on his face Christmas morning. So let's start enjoying the life that Jesus bought us.